Hey, welcome to the latest episode of the Omaha Dines podcast. I'm Sarah Baker Hansen, the World Herald food critic. This week, I'm here with Matthew, as always, and a Hello. special guest, um, Chef Nick Strawhecker, uh, owner of Dante, and coming soon, Forno. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Thanks for coming, Nick. Yeah. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, we're going to talk this week about kind of travel and eating. Uh, Matthew and I and Nick actually just have all gotten back from various trips to various places. We've actually all just been in Vegas, so we were talking about that. Um, And kind of how we prepare or kind of how you get ready and figure out where you're going to eat when you're somewhere other than Omaha. Right, and I think it's the idea, too, is that sometimes in our esteemed opinions, people do this a little bit wrong. Yeah. Um, So maybe we can guide you in a better direction the next time you're going to a different city. Right. So I guess the first thing I wanted to say is that Matthew and I, and I'm guessing Nick too, so pipe in whenever you want, uh, basically food is kind of like the main thing that we plan when we're traveling. Like we go to a, we decide we're going to go to a city, and then the first thing we do, we don't look up like museums or <laughs> anything like that. We look up restaurants and bars because that's really what we love to do when we travel. And we use a couple websites that really have come in handy for us over the years that we've come to rely on. Yeah, and I, I mean the number one place that we start is Eater. Yeah, and it depends on the size of the city. Mm-hmm. If it's New York, L.A. There's a lot more choices for where you can go to get restaurant recommendations, right. but um, Eater for sure is um, the the place where we start. The Eater there's two lists: Eater Essential, which is uh, in bigger cities, it's the 38 essential restaurants in New right. York, 38 essential in LA, etc. Which I'm doing one for Omaha next week. That's right. Oh, of really? My own creation. Ooh. Yeah, I know. It's and then exciting. also very cool is the Eater heat map. Which is in cities like Omaha, our size and smaller. Yeah. Um, where you know they'll the somebody like Sarah usually somebody who is pretty uh, knowledgeable about food is doing these lists and they're they're basically saying here are the cool places to go right now in, in your city. And what I really like about them is that they're not reviews. They're just like here's a list of places that are essential to this city, or here's a list of places that have opened within the past calendar year that are hot. And whether the person likes them or not doesn't really play into it. You can kind of get get to it yourself, look look it up if you want to go to it. It's but essential like to realize that, that. Yeah. yeah, to know that it's not a review and that maybe they don't even like it. Right. Because either heat map has let me down. Yeah, yeah. yeah on more than sure. on more than one occasion. Um, so just go into that knowing that and use it as a guide. Yeah. Um, what prior. do you What do you use? I use either. I use either, but I use I use people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people by far is the best way to figure out the best place to eat I I find and even if you don't know a person in a city um, so let's say you're going to for whatever reason my my phantom city is always Cleveland Uh, (laughs) I've never even been to Cleveland so let's say you're going to Cleveland (laughs) and you don't know anybody in Cleveland right I don't know anybody in Cleveland I don't either I I can't think of anybody I actually I do know somebody in Cleveland (laughs) my friend Drake Healy but like uh, but I never I haven't talked to him in 20 years but um (laughs) He's about to email you. His he actually called me. He actually called me and left me a message. It's so I swear to God, two days ago. Uh, I don't even know how to get my number. But so uh, okay, so let's say, but you find one good restaurant that you think that you you spend a bunch of time. Okay, I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to put all my chips on the table and make a reservation. Go here. If you find and that place ends up being great and you love it and everything about it's great and you have a wonderful experience, talk to the bartender. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Talk to your server because nine times out of th- 
out of 10, you're going to be aligned with what you're like into. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't work and something yeah. you'll know right away if you're not mm-hmm. aligned, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they'll be like, oh yeah, go to Olive Garden. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ask but, somebody else. <laughs> but it's like, and then you're hooked and then you, and then you got, the, you got the in in that city. Yeah. Right. That's really good Yeah, and we have done, you know, it's sort of like, and I I think we did this in Charleston. It's a, you know, we we tend to have our reservations before we go, or at least some. At least a few. But then we can, yeah, basically when you meet the the bartender at the restaurant that you really like or the bar you really like and ask him, you just divert off that plan. Like, oh, don't go to this oyster spot in Charleston. Go to this other one. It's going to be better. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, you almost invariably end up having a good experience. Use them to gauge your reservations. So, hey, I have a a reservation at X and they're like, uh, go here instead. You're going to spend half as much money. Nobody knows about it. It's just as good. The only reason people know about it is because of the New York Times, you know, 36 hour deal and it's hot right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really another really interesting one. Are those New York Times like the Frugal Traveler yeah. or, or some of those? I think those kind of fall into like the heat the heat map territory. Like it's not really a review. It's yep. just a here's a place. Right. Here's some places that I checked out while I was there because I don't always agree with those recommendations. Like and those people that write that send somebody aren't necessarily aligned with. No. Maybe they're there for they're there for different culture. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. there more for art or for fat right. or whatever they're right. there for, but uh, not necessarily. Food. Oh, you're yeah. talking about the. 30- six hours yeah. yeah they are always looking for other stuff besides I, I have definitely I put more much more stock in the essentials list on year hmm. I don't think I've ever really been to a had a bad experience like a truly bad experience mm-hmm. going off one of those I mean the sad thing about those and it's cool that you're doing one for Omaha but the sad thing about those is in Cleveland they don't have an essential list I assume right. no. it's just the mm-hmm. the heat map and I've always thought you know Omaha needs one of those like yeah. the essential uh, people are always asking you know where do I go for these these various things? And they're not the heat map does not cover that at all. Like and the heat map's always kind of a challenge to put together personally in my experience because it's only updated every few years. It's only but it, and it's only it's a 12 month calendar year, yeah. right? And it like has it to can have have it where they open. Right. And so every time I always end up like begging them, like can I please squeeze this place in that's been open like 5 months too long right. and they're like no. You cannot do that. And I, so places end up getting missed. Yeah. Because of the gap. I, I feel like in cities the size of Omaha it should be a longer, yeah. you know, like it could be they have opened in the previous three years or whatever right. and you know if you haven't come to Omaha in that time right. you're, it's still going to be new to you right okay so eater.com check it out it's it's to me it's the best like single website to, yeah. to check out when you're traveling but another one that I really like and I want to hear what you think about this it, one of the things that I tend to do when we're going to Cleveland is check the James Beard um, yeah. semifinalist the yeah. uh, the list. Like who, and just because, again, there's that, I, I'm not saying that it's the, you know, you're going to have an amazing experience off that list, but it, there's going to be, there's a, there's a minimum standard there. That mm-hmm. I feel like you're not going to go super wrong mm-hmm. with a, with a, somebody who's, who's been, um, is it, it's a semifinalist, right? That's the first, uh, yeah, the round. first level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even like just at that mm-hmm. level. And then you can judge it based on price and, and right. some other things. Yeah. We could do a whole nother podcast about the James Beard awards oh. and all of that. But With I think a huge really, caveat too, yeah, right. be, because the James Beard is, you know, in my opinion, looking tends to look for a very specific right. type 
of restaurant. It's going to be, you know, a lot of higher end places, Mm -hmm. a lot of places that are a little, to me, maybe a little bit stuffy. You know what I mean? As opposed to, you know, you're not going to find your, generally speaking, you're not going to find your hole in the wall, you know, Asian spot Mm -hmm. on the James Beard uh, list. Although sometimes, but not Sometimes, not not very often. So what do you, you, is that another place? Absolutely. 100%. It's about, it's as the most, as vetted as it gets. Right. I mean, you know you're going to have a quality that you don't know. You can't. You don't know anything because you could go to the best restaurant in the world and it's going to be like, right. for whatever reason, they have a bad yeah. night right. yeah. or you're in a bad mood when you go in. And I think, but I use that all the time yeah. when yeah. going to a new city and then uh, when traveling internationally, of course, Michelin. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I used in Michelin works. Well, I use, and it doesn't have to be three, one stars a lot of times are the same as two stars to me. Right. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, and for whatever reason, they decided to one star instead of a two star. Yeah, and I used that for Copenhagen in September or October yeah. last, and had like two amazing. Yeah, we're gonna need to get your list because we're going. Oh, you are summer. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, side conversation. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. So anyway, eater for sure. Uh, the James in the U.S. James Beard uh, nominations or winners. I mean, God, if you, if you yeah. go to yeah. a place that has won Best Chef Midwest or Best Best Chef right. um, any region, right. that's going to be a great restaurant. Just generally speaking, yeah. um, and then Michelin, especially internationally. Although yeah. obviously those places can tend to get kind of pricey. And if you want to get crazy, then San Pellegrino, fifty. The top fifty. The top oh, fifty. Yeah. The See, I don't even think. Well, and then about after that. that, then there's top one hundred. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's. I mean, that's next. That and then that's Those next. Are all next level. Going to be like top top places. It's going to get really. Yeah. yeah really so uh, because we have a chef here, I have to ask this. And sorry, I'm totally bogarting your uh, job as host. I guess I'm a co-host. What <laughs> yeah. am I talking about? Um, <laughs> I was uh, like, this is your podcast too. What do you like? Give me your minute thoughts on Yelp. How do you feel about Yelp? I <laughs> I don't have a minute. Uh, I don't. I do not pay attention to Yelp uh, at all. I'll look at it every three months for just for just for Dante. Yeah. Or to, or for Dante Pizzeria Napolitana, and I'll see how much. I mean, and I'll be I'll be. I don't let it affect my emotions anymore. Uh, <laughs> it used to be where I'd be like, oh, that's a really nice review, but then some people just like, I I, I don't like Yelp. Yelp's for non-experienced diners that want to bitch. And right. I, and so you don't use it as a traveling device? Absolutely not. I yeah, never no. use it either. That was kind of the thing. I was going to bring that up, so I'm glad you did. Um, I like OpenTable. Right. And I, I like TripAdvisor. Like OpenTable and TripAdvisor feel like they're more seasoned diners. Yeah. Versus Yelp, it's really hard to tell if somebody just has a gripe that they want to express through this bad review. Like, did they actually have this bad of an experience? It just seems like kind of amateur hour-ish. Absolutely. And it's I don't like read YouTube it either. Comments. I definitely don't read it. There's well, one page I go to on people drunk on internet power yeah. who are just like right. doing dumb stuff. I mean, the reviews know, are online. oftentimes not under the person's real name. You can't ever, you know. And I know from talking to restaurant owners that it's really tough to get something taken off Yelp. Yeah. We have had someone taken off Yelp before. You have? Yeah. Good job. It was years ago, and I <laughs> went through the hoops, and yeah. I'll never do that again. I, but. I, will, I will say one thing, and this isn't really about Yelp. I think this was Open Table. It was originally, this is before Sarah was the food critic here. When I was new to town, um, and I think Open Table had kind of just started at that point and was bigger than Yelp. Mm-hmm. Not Open Table. Um, TripAdvisor? No. God. It's oh. A, Urban Spoon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Urban yeah. Spoon oh, good. I know what you're going to say. Um, <laughs> and they're, and I, I actually feel like this has a little bit of validity, although it's also ridiculous. Um, 
I uh, became acquainted online, not acquainted, I didn't ever talk to him, but I started watching the reviews by a man who went by the name Captain Napkin. Yeah. And, <laughs> did you know this? Yeah. And I, I, met him. I, met him. I really, did? Yes. oh, oh man, he's God. real. He's what real. He, does he, does he go by Napkin in real life? Captain. I don't know what happened to that guy. Like, and I know, I totally forgot about that and I used to look at it every day and I, and it, it was a good little gauge because we, it had a top 25 too. We, yeah. And he was pretty good. He was, like, he was pretty good. He, he like kind of knew what he was doing. Captain, I mean, if you're out there, send us an email. Yeah. He didn't like, the, he didn't like my joint though. Very really? Much. Oh man. Yeah. He had, he, yeah. Um, too, too many napkins in use uh, <laughs> or what was the problem? It was so long ago. I wish, uh, but yeah, no. I mean, they stopped doing that like six years ago. Yeah. Probably. That was a while ago. Somebody bought the, it, they, they, I think they got bought and then they turned it into a site that was, I think, short-lived called like Zomato. Oh, right, right. It still exists, but it's very. It's like a zombie. A it's of, like the MySpace yeah, right. of. Uh... I know that because so Yelp and Open and not Open Table, um, Urban Spoon used to ha- have this page that you could type in Google like. You can still do it for Yelp. Yelp Omaha, hot and new, and like a list of restaurants that have just gotten on Yelp like with no reviews that just opened are on there. And so I that's the only page I look at on Yelp. Yeah. Like well, once a week or whatever to see mm. is there anything it, I didn't know about. You know, you can also gauge whether or not uh, uh, viewers, listeners out there can gauge whether or not how they feel about Yelp by going to their own city like, and I've done this for Omaha, and seeing what the top Yelp restaurants are in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And that is very... Um, illustrative of both, you know, there's some validity to Yelp and there's some real problems with Yelp. I mean, Block 16 does great yeah. on Yelp, I and that, that's a that's a top restaurant on Yelp. But for years Horses. and years, mm-hmm. the top restaurant on Yelp was Los Mio. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, here to talk crap about Los Mio, but it's it's certainly not the best restaurant in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Like that is not a controversial statement that I've just made. Anybody who pays attention to food in Omaha would agree with that yeah. statement, and yet. If you came here and you saw what the top restaurant was on Yelp, you you know you could be confused into thinking that was the best that Omaha had to offer, and right. that's just simply not right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't. Uh, Eater, James Beard, Michelin, TripAdvisor to some extent. Yeah. Do not use Yelp. Is that a good summary of <laughs> open the table? Open table. Open table. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. If I mean, for it for cities on... smaller too, like you can't use Eater. You know, if you're, you can use it when you're going to Cleveland, but you can't use it when you're going to uh, Grand Island because no. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't exist no. at that point. And that gets that can get challenging. You know, when you're in. You know, when we were in when we were doing our book and we were traveling around Nebraska. Yeah. We really relied on that's word, word of, of mouth. Yeah. Totally. You have to ask people. You know, where should I go? And we did that, and that's how we ended up finding a lot of the places that we went to yeah so okay i think we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about some of our favorite dining experiences we're going to talk about forno which is coming soon to the blackstone district and uh yeah i'm looking forward to hearing more about it so we'll be right back Hey, welcome back. So just wanted to remind all of the listeners that my Omaha Dines newsletter comes out every Tuesday. It is 100% free. You can sign up to get uh, it in your inbox uh, at omahadines.com. And I think uh, we're going to go back into our discussion about travel. So I'm really excited to have Nick here because there's a a topic that I really have wanted to discuss for a long time, which is when a chef travels and has a restaurant in Omaha and then comes back, how do those travels affect what Omaha diners get to eat? So that's what I want to ask you. 
Dante, it's a broad question. Yeah, it is. You it's can, a, it's you a can very broad and deep question. I just think it's a fun thing to talk about. And a lot of people would think that like, oh, there's a specific dish that, oh, I had this dish in, uh, you know, in Bologna. Mm-hmm. And then I have to come back and recreate that. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's happened to me. I, I, I can't specifically think of that. I think of bits and pieces of different dinners and lunches and breakfasts breakfasts um <laughs> that i that i like like i love the sauce or i think this fish was so amazing how it was prepared or mm-hmm. the service at at this place was amazing or i had this great cocktail this great wine but i think um the whole reason for dante was neapolitan pizza mm-hmm. for wood-fired pizza um and that was completely because of um traveling to italy um as a child and then living there um, in my early 20s, mm-hmm. and then traveling traveling back through my 20s, and 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 going to going to pizzerias and eating a margarita. I always my my go-to pizza back then when I was younger was quattro formaggi con prosciutto uh, mm-hmm. crudo. So quattro with like four cheese with prosciutto. That's all I ever got. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think maybe people think that. Um, you only find this style of pizza only in Naples. It's countrywide. I mean, every place, not every, and there's different types of pizza, but it's mostly wood-fired pizza. Uh-huh. So, um, so I grew up. I, you know, I, I I lived in England um, as a during my formative years, like 11 through 13 or 14. So we'd go to Italy. Um, quite often, mm-hmm. and then so I'd eat pizza, and then it was always in my head how much I loved it, and um, always in the back of my mind. And then, c- cut to my mid to late twenties, I'm living in Philadelphia and working in Philadelphia, cooking. And I was invited to um, Mark Vetri's second restaurant mm-hmm. opening, um, like one of the softs, friends and family type deals. Um, I didn't know him. I was a guest of the chef I worked for. And uh, it's called Osteria, and it was the first. There was, I'm sure, other, but it was like the first that I remember. And it was 2007 when the Neapolitan pizza trend kind of started happening yeah, in this country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there eating, and I'm like, and I was like, oh my god, this is what. Oh, so that is, was the moment. Was, yeah. That was the exodus for me for for Dante. You were like, I want to do this, and like, did you think that night I want to do this in Omaha? Yes. Wow, that's, that's cool. So cool. Yeah, but you I, can like pinpoint it down to like one moment. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's and because you know I'd never, um, you know, after living in Italy, I didn't work in any Italian restaurants. Yeah, um, I was doing. I just wasn't doing Italian. We were doing other. I was doing other things, and then I was working in, yeah, working in. And I and I I knew I knew right then. I was like, oh my god, this is what we're gonna do, mm-hmm. because and I was like, I think this is gonna be. And I I don't do things because it's trendy, but I was like, I know this could become a trend. Yeah. And now it's not a trend. Right. It just is. It's kind of, yeah, yeah. It just exists as a thing. Yeah, and yeah. not so much in in this country as or in this uh, city as in, you know, other cities. Other cities, there's lots of Neapolitan mm-hmm. pizza. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, that's so that's what we. That's what we did. And then, so then how about the trips to like, once you get Dante established and you start going to, to, you go to Italy once a year, a couple times a year, try to try to try to once. And and what do you get? What do you think you get or kind of bring back knowledge wise from those experiences? I think, um, you amass different dining experiences, um, all day long. And it, it, it can be as simple as getting a coffee, 
getting a gelato, mm -hmm. driving on the motorway, and stopping and yeah. having having pasta on the you know and at you know what would be Bucky's in Omaha right. is like uh, like one of the best restaurants in Omaha. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Seriously, it's like yeah. it's so good. Or a porchetta sandwich, a beautiful mm -hmm. porchetta sandwich on the side yeah. of the road. Mm -hmm. Up to uh, Osteria Francescana in Modena, right. which is yeah. the, the whatever top ten restaurant in the world yeah. or whatever right now. Mm -hmm. um, but there's one specific example that I can think of that we're doing for our new restaurant called, which we're switching. Uh, it's going to be called Forno mm -hmm. uh, Mid-May opening, um, and it's called Tigelle. And Tigelle is a essentially a, a three and a half inch flatbread. Um, it's a, it's a it's a circle, um, and it's, it's it's very flat, and it's it's a pressed bread, and it's found in mostly in Bologna, mm -hmm. if not only in Bologna and the surrounding you know areas, which is in Emilia Romagna, and Emilia Romagna being the mecca for, I mean if, for for Italy, but if not the world, mm -hmm. you know Parmigiano Reggiano, Grano Padano, yeah. Balsamico, you know Prosciutto. Ferrari, Lamborghini. <laughs> uh, and Just as a side note. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, so was in Bologna a couple of years ago and in and around Bologna and happened to be like just walking around uh, the city in the morning looking for some place to eat. Looking and for a Ferrari. Looking for a Ferrari. Uh, yeah, uh, where's the Ferrari store? I would have been I'm here to buy a Ferrari. Uh, and we happen to be so Bologna has it's no their cathedral is called it's called it's known as the Duomo and most yeah. Italian cities is called Duomo's cathedral mm -hmm. right or the basilica. Mm -hmm. This happens to be a basilica and it's like the second or third largest in the world. It's a massive church mm -hmm. and it's really famous because it's unfinished. Mm -hmm. So it's all like a brick front. Have you guys been to Bologna? Uh -uh. No. So it's and so those have no, there's a brick front. So if you're facing the the front of this cathedral, I'm just going to describe it. And you go left. There's a bunch. It's basically like it looks. It's like spokes on a wheel are the streets that come out from yeah, yeah. from mm -hmm. the church, mm -hmm. right? So we're just like wandering around. I'm like, oh, it's a church. Great. This is super touristy. And then I like look down the street. and I'm like, oh, what's what the hell is that? And there's this alley. And on this alley are all these little tables with these little. You could tell they're just like little tiny restaurants or little uh -huh. shops. Uh -huh. And it was all these people that were producing salumi. And so you walk down and it was like ten o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh my God. I was like in great I was like, this is my great like, <laughs> Screw the church. This is my real religion. Oh yeah. Salami. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah, totally. It was crazy. And like tears start streaming down my face. And like, Michelle, I said to my wife, I'm like, we found it. It was like the holy grail. And then we just sat there all day and just like ate like uh drank Lambrusco and ate prosciutto. And what they do is they'll have a list, like a sushi menu, of all different types of meats and cheeses and different condiments. And um, you mark it with a pencil. I want, you know, oh, speck, and I want uh, capicola or, you know, fontina or whatever. And then they bring out this, like, these racks or of these of this bread called tigelle. Mm -hmm. And you use it as a vehicle for this a condiment and some meat and some cheese. And then you, you eat it like oh, that. Man, and, you, so and you can fold it, like, kind of like a taco or... The best way to do it is to split it in the middle, and then put it inside. Like so it's pita, like the, kind of like a pita. It's like uh -huh. a love child of an English muffin and a pita. <laughs> and so we're gonna do a whole. So for two years, I've been looking for one of these presses to. And you'd think it'd be easy with you know the Google machine, but like nobody would sell me one. So, it, but it goes back to to people, mm -hmm. right? So through 
my friend Mark McDonald, who owns the Italian vine, who we buy a lot of our wine from, yeah. I met Nicola Pascardo. Mm -hmm. And Nicola Pascardo, who's become a friend, and we've done, I don't know, 10 dinners with him over the year. He comes every yeah. twice a year to Dante, and he's become a good friend. I called Nicola, who lives in, and he lives in Verona, which is 80 miles north in Veneto. And I, Nicola knows, just one of those guys that knows everybody. Mm -hmm. And I knew, and he was he came to Omaha last month, and I was like, hey, any chance, you know what about Tegele? Well, I used to call it Tegele. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Nick, it's Tegele, Tegele, Tegele. If you were to do this, you have to say it. And, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to. You were speaking and, the Omaha Italian. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's funny. I've been there. I can, I cannot, I can buy like beers and I can buy, I don't speak Italian. I can order off menus. But anyway, so the kind man that Nicola is, it's like, yeah, I know a guy. And I'm like, okay. And so I, and it will be here next week. Nice. Mike Tegele Press. Wow, that's so So we're going to have a whole, long story so short at Forno. There's gonna be, it's a four section menu. One whole section is going to be dedicated to to jelly. Oh man, and that's I'm, amazing. I'm pretty thrilled. I'm pretty excited. And we're, we're like, as a poll. I'm pretty excited too uh, now. Yeah. Well, because it's so great. And that's. This is gonna be burned into Matthew's mind. It's like, we need to go find Nick's Meat Alley in Italy. No, we just go to Forno. <laughs> yeah, <fine>. yeah. <laughs> meat Alley, I love it. <laughs> meat Alley. It's the coolest place I've ever been. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that. I mean, it bring it, it's cool that you're bringing that to Omaha, and it's also cool because that right there, what you're talking about, is the food experience that everybody looks for. Yeah, it's random in some way, but it's it, you know, it's meaningful. It's like you find the hidden secret of a city. You know, in, in this case, it sounds just kind of by happenstance. I didn't. Nobody told me about it. Right. I stumbled on it. Yeah. Um, but right. usually, it usually it doesn't happen like that. No, right. usually it's more directed than that. But that's so cool it can, because it was so random. If you're educated a little bit, though, it can happen through these various ways. Like if you know, oh, this city is known for X, or this neighborhood is a place where you might get something that mm -hmm. feel like the tourists don't go here, but this is where you can the show up and start wandering around. And yeah. Yes, yes, right. exactly. Mm -hmm. So it comes back some to preparation, but you also like when you have an experience like that, it's, it's beyond food. Yeah. It's it's uh, I mean, it is quasi religious in some way or can be where yeah. you just and you remember that sort of thing forever yeah and I think what you said about kind of how you build this kind of you know a lifetime I guess of tasting and memories and things you've tried and things you've had and that I feel really strongly about myself because I feel like as I write more and as I go places and gain all these experiences it makes me better at my job because I've had experiences in other place places right and even like you were saying about service and you know this one particular sauce that you have a memory of or this particular atmosphere or just anything and i think when we get to our top list that'll kind of show through but it just really makes you I don't know, this is a cheesy, it's a food word, but it makes you like more seasoned as not just a diner, but also as a chef or just this whole lifetime of experiences is so valuable. Yeah, totally. And sometimes even the bad ones are valuable because oh, yeah. they teach you things. They're all valuable. You get, yeah. you get, you get something out of out of out of all of them, and mm -hmm. there's nothing worse than a bad meal in life. Yeah, I mean, right. well, there's some, uh, herpes is pretty But like, but like, I realized. I mean, thinking about this the other second day, second worst. Yeah. Second worst. <laughs> I realized that I've been exploring restaurants for 30 years. Yeah, and right. like, you know, uh, for whatever reason, I decided a couple weeks ago to start like thinking about my. Um, you know, the top, whatever, however many, I'm just listing out like 
restaurant experiences in my life that yeah. were impactful for my life, and I re- and I found my first one, my first restaurant that I found. Can I tell you about it? Yeah, yeah let's hear it. Let's, let's just start it. the. Let's, let's yeah. start our t- so our top three sort of food experiences that we've had while outside of Omaha. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So this is my first one in my entire life of a of a restaurant that I that I that I kind of found myself. Okay. So I think it was 1991 or 1992, and it was when. Um, we were living in England, and for Christmas that year, my parents decided to take us to the Canary Islands, okay. which is a set of islands owned by Spain off the coast of essentially Morocco. And it was either Tenerife. There's, it's like I don't like. There's, I'm sure many, but the two main ones are Tenerife and Lanzarote. Mm-hmm. And I think this was on Lanzarote, and um, we're on the beach. I remember just being on the beach, and it was. I think it was like Christmas. I think it was Christmas Day. And there's these guys that are parasailing on the beach, and they're coming. Like I'm watching them like all morning. I'm like, this is so amazing. And and it's a parasail is, it's like a parachute and a glider, mm-hmm. and you like kind of just float. Oh yeah. And you kind of fly. And I said, man, I, Dad, I'd really like to do that. That looks so amazing. <laughs> and I think I was 11 or 12. That looks so amazing. He's like, all right. Uh, and then so we went and talked to these these two guys that were. They were just they were as they called it flying, and I remember it was a Spaniard and a and a guy from Portugal, and neither of them spoke Portuguese. They didn't speak each other's languages, uh-huh. they, but they both kind of spoke English, and so my dad brokered the deal, <laughs> and uh, and I remember so like I was like all right bye mom and dad, and they're like he'll be back in half an hour. <laughs> so and so I get in the car with these guys, but I remember getting in the car and like there there's like Coke machines, but you could buy beers, you know, mm-hmm. like in Europe. And they both like got a bunch of beers, and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, I don't think you're supposed to drink that. And I was like, uh, uh, and and they're like probably 25 years old. This has turned into like an after-school special, real quick. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Based off of parasailing. So then we drive, and it's a mountainous. So Lanzarote, which I think it was, it's a volcanic island, so it's very mountainous, and it's all. So we're like switchbacks going up this like mountain, mm-hmm. and I see this, and there's where the restaurant comes in. Okay, <laughs> I was waiting for and it. And not the not the kidnapping, <laughs> not the possible kidnapping. Here's the restaurant comes in. So then I see this like restaurant as we're driving, and it's a re- and it's I could tell that it's it's built into the side of a cave. Oh, cool. And I was pretty sure it was a restaurant. I remember, and I was like, that looks like the most amazing place ever. I want to eat there really bad. Uh-huh. And I remembered it, and I kind of like. Um, yeah, I just marked it where it was in my mind. I didn't. I didn't pull out my iPhone and right. it was 1991. Right. And, um, and then so the, to finish the gliding story. Long story short, it took like two hours because we couldn't find the proper wind, and my parents started freaking out. Oh, oh man! And they thought you were kidnapped. They yeah. thought I was kidnapped, and but it was really cool. So you glide to the beach for like 25 minutes, but it was really neat. But so then I got to the beach, and I, and they're like, Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> and they're super happy. And I was like, That was so amazing. But I found this restaurant. <laughs> I was like, can we go eat here today? So we went to that restaurant, and it was like, a, you know, like a Brazilian steakhouse. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was like in the style of Canary Islands or Spain or whatever. So all these skewers with like chicken hearts, and wow. like just and and I was like, this is just so cool. And that's all I really remember with the skewers. But that was the first restaurant I ever what found. A cool, oh, that's cool. that's really cool. When it's a, like, I wonder if part of that is the idea of a different way to eat, like something that I have never seen before mm-hmm. in Omaha or when you're living or in anywhere. London, I assume, yeah. where it's just like. You know this. This it opens a, a sort of a portal into a new uh, culinary world. My yeah. mind was completely opened, right? And it had, and it, and it was slowly opening through all these different experiences that were afforded to me through through travel, yeah. um, which is why I think I 
started cooking in the first place and became interested in restaurants because of so many great experiences right. over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this was definitely a it's really cool definitive one. Wow. You, one of your top three that you said you were going to talk about, I think, has it's not you were older, but it had a it opened you up to a type of food that you've become really excited about. Which one, Yang's? Yeah, yeah. When when Sarah and I were in uh, uh, Shanghai with our good friends Michael and Courtney Brunts who Courtney is speaks Mandarin is a, a expert in uh, all things China mm-hmm. and uh, which is a great way to travel to China if you're gonna go is travel with Courtney and, and she speaks yeah yeah we couldn't yeah, have which was you know we were like lost toddlers we couldn't read <laughs> anything we couldn't talk to anybody she like Saved us. Huge. I, I don't remember how we found this place. She, I think they knew of it. Really? Yeah. Um, and, and so we just, uh, I remember we were walking around this really nice area in Shanghai, like really high end shops. This place, this like indoor outdoor spot. You were saying it had an awning. It has a like a pink sign, and right in the front, there's this kind of area that I guess you'd qualify it as the kitchen. And they make other stuff, but the thing they're known for is this um, soup dumpling, and so. They steam it first, and then they had a cast iron skillet yeah, yeah. that was like gigantic. And these women at the front would take the steam buns out or steamed um, like dumplings out of the basket and put them in this just like wicked hot cast iron skillet. And so the bottoms of all these dumplings get browned wow. and like super crusty. And so then they take like a metal spatula and they scoop them out and you could get like three, six, nine, like you could get hundred. You could get a lot of them. Matthew ate a lot of them. But they're incredible because they have this like soft steam top and then this crispy bottom. And then there's like a little meatball, kind of a pork meatball that gives off all this liquid that's really wonderfully seasoned. And so then you like bite a little if you bite into it, you're forget it. Well, it's I gonna to like watch. burn your face. I, like there was a little kid in there. Yeah. Like I had my order in front of me, and I could tell this was already going to be amazing. Like when it was just in front of me, and I I didn't know totally how to eat it, and I watched this little like Chinese kid who like you know very delicately bit off the. He bit the, like a hole in the top. Yeah, yeah, and then and you know sort of drink the juice. Right, but you have to let it cool yes. a little bit because if you seriously like do the American thing, be like explode. oh, you it know, would like the holes with chops, like, like yeah. little yeah. Like, yeah. third degree yeah. burns yeah. down your. Down your esophagus, yeah, it would be dangerous. It would, it would be painful. But um, it is, it is one of those experiences. And by the way, this costs like five bucks. Oh, right? if that. I, I mean, it, just it for was, you or for like all of you? Um, uh, it was probably like five dollars a person. Maybe yeah, maybe three maybe, or four. Yeah, but we got a lot. Like, how many food. dishes did you have? I don't, got, I don't even remember what else we ate. I was so transfixed by these dumplings. Got like three orders of dumplings. And Yang's like turns out to be like more. a kind of a chi- like a uh, a Shanghai based Chinese chain. Oh There's really? Like a and, few locations of it. I yeah. Think at the time there were like five. And you know it'd be like their Big Mac was this the dumpling. Thing. And I, I swear to God, like ever since that day, I have been on a quest, and a quest is to find another place that's not in China that does that, that basically does this in the United States. Have you and got you any? Can, have you got? No, I mean, I've had a bunch of great dumplings, but in on my quest, but the <laughs> soup dumplings here do not like they're not the fried, not the cast We've iron pellet. We've never found this the exact skillet. variety like anywhere in the United and States. And what did you say the translation was? Uh, it was. I'm begging an American restaurant. Restaurant tour to do called, this, by the way. I will. Um, I will fly to Cleveland yeah, this, every weekend <laughs> this and says go to your dumplings worth flying across the Pacific Ocean for. Yeah. Um, I've lost where it said what they were. But it was like si- have, sizzling. 
uh, bow with bursting juice. Bursting yes. juice dumpling. Yeah. That is my delicious. kind of, so it that's my, amazing. that's my number one food experience of my life, I think. And the, my favorite single food, bursting juice dumpling. Okay. <laughs> I need so to make a comment on that. Really. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. okay. So let's say we went there right now. Yeah. I, I bet you if we went and ate there, it wouldn't be as good as that. Well, yeah, you can't beat the first experience. It sucks right. so bad, doesn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. it's like, oh, and you tell, and it's like, this is the best thing I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and, then you, and then you go, and it's like, oh. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's yeah. good. You know, right. and yeah. But it's ne you never get back up because you build it up in your mind. You'll build right. these yeah. experiences oh, up totally. in your mind and it's you'll tell the story. It's probably better that I can't find it because right. it just yeah, it's been more and more like it's become part of my lore that like my right. food lore that this is the best single thing I've ever eaten in my and life. And it'd be interesting too when you when you have such definitive food experiences and then you know you get older and you go to more places and you have more and more and more food experiences and so like we were talking about before, you become you change because you've had all these other yeah. experiences and then you go try to have that same experience you had before and you can just never have it again. Can never have it. Let's, okay, let's hear your uh, your uh, formative travel food experience for you. So I had my list, which was more just kind of of like fun places and recent places that we've been to except for one. But I'll mention one of them. They're, these are no, in no That's real fine. order. But in 2013, uh, Matthew got me a gift, which was to go eat at Next in Chicago. And um, we went during the Bocuse d'Or menu, so it was based on the Bocuse d'Or Well, tell people what Next is like for people who... No, no, but and tell people about Next, like so what Next it is. So Next was... Uh, I, it's still open. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for a while, it was like the hot, the hot, hot place. Still is. And it was in doing, Chicago. In Chicago. And it would do like a... how It was like every three months, yeah. it would do a completely four, four new meals a year, menu. Four menus a year. And it would be this over-the-top themes. And the restaurant itself would say the same, but like they would do different decorations in there and kind of transform it and completely redo the menu. And so... And this is by Grant Akats, the guy who owns Alinea, which is one of the most famous restaurants right. in the U.S. Yeah. So I had been just really wanting to go because I was reading about it all the time and, like, everyone was talking about it. And so it was my, it was my birthday present. Yeah, I think that's right. And so we actually went with uh, two chefs who are a chef... Um, John Seymour and Matt Brown Assemblier, we ate with them. And so it was just this over-the-top experience. And there are specific dishes from that night that I feel like are in the same way as soup dumplings for you are just like burned into my brain. Like there was, in the middle of the dinner, there was this, it's really hard to describe, but it was a glass kind of piece of glass over what looked like a terrarium and there was like wood and little like it looked like a forest in there and part of it had been lit on fire but it, there was so there was smoke the ends of it were open and so there was smoke coming out of the sides and it was this this aroma of this dish like hit your nose before you even tasted the food and it was totally this kind of all sensory experience while you were eating what this. was the like, dish it it was like I have photos of it on my phone. Well, it was do you remember beef. what? The, oh, okay, beef. yeah, I can't. But the it was clear, so you could see. It was like it involved your eyes, your nose. Like if it had made a sound, it would have been incredible. But just the whole, it was like an all-consuming dish, and I really remember that one. And the yeah. other thing I really remember is, I it was an eighteen-course meal, so it was like 
a gigantic slightly higher price point by the vino. way than the soup dumpling yeah. place yeah. With, just did you do vino too we did and she i got it for her i didn't i was like drinking water i, <laughs> I was like i gotta save some money i here. had <laughs> so many glasses of wine it was like it was like a glass of wine every other course so they would do the pairing with two dishes nice and i couldn't like physically drink it all and so i had this glasses like all around me because they won't they don't take it away they're like you should you know finish it or whatever Mm -hmm. it was so many glasses of wine i like couldn't do it so i just drink a little of each one and then they would you know i think they cleared some of them and then (laughs) they they took them away but the cheese course they brought out this thing that i had never seen before and it was a wheel the cheese was kind of in the middle of it and it was this cheese cutter but as they turned this um handle the cheese would come out and it was like looked like a flower and so then they would cut all these different cheeses and they gave it to you and it looked like a plate of flowers but it was cheese it It was so amazing what you're describing is something i mean it's interesting because it's so different than either of the other experiences we talked about so far it's kind of i mean what it is is art it was food as art and i think that's why it had such an effect on me because i delicious delicious about art for a decade studied art history like i had never had such an immersive food experience yeah. that was of course tasted amazing but the visuals of that meal it's, I mean, are really some, what like perform like food culinary like performance, performance art, art in some and the way whole, you know, except not lame even the whole restaurant like they did kind of performances throughout the night yeah. like they would try to recreate the book store which is like this very festive over the top people have cowbells every everyone got cowbells and they would come out and parade with like the different dishes that they were going to serve and everyone was encouraged to like hoot and holler and Bring your next branded cowbell. It was just totally over the top. I ate so much food that by like 9 p.m. Our seating was at like 5. Yeah. And by 8.30 or 9, I was in physical pain. We had to go back and to our yeah, hotel room. Yeah, we, we like, like the night much. in Chicago was over <laughs> after that. Yeah. I think John and Matt were fine, yeah, obviously. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> six more hours. See you guys later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was just, it it affected me. And it's such I have such a memory of it, I think, because it was so immersive. When you see how high of a level food can be at like where you're like oh my god this is a different well that's the pinnacle i mean that's what that's the best restaurant of the world i mean that's a you know um I'd never seen anything like it. It's important to see it. And that, I think, also was such a a cool moment, too, because Chicago had really come up in a way that nobody, I think, a lot of people didn't seem coming. And now Chicago is recognized around the world as one of the greatest food cities. And that was kind of when I was like, okay, this is eight hours from Omaha. This is happening. That's really cool. Nix is its own thing. But Chicago, a lot of Chicago places are really approachable. Like, they have that Midwestern, you know what I mean? Like, for somebody from Omaha, it's not... It's a, it can be a little intimidating, you know, maybe on the coast sometimes in some of these restaurants for people, but not in Chicago. I'd say mostly approachable. Yeah, yeah. totally. And in, in, in lower price point yeah, tends to be. For your pocketbook, too. Yeah. Okay, so we each have two left. Let's do them a little bit faster. And, you know, if places that people can check out if they, if they want to go. Do you want to do your second one? I can do yeah I can do my other two that I had on my list. Okay. Him. Okay. So my two are both from our recent trip that we took to Europe which we went to London and Berlin. And Berlin I did not know what to expect. Like I had no idea. It's not really necessarily known for food. Um, but it is known for repurposing things into other things. And so the the main thing I this is kind of another like cool experience, but we went to this restaurant that was called Crackers, which used to be in a nightclub called it used to be a nightclub called Cookies. 
and they had done very little to change the nightclub vibe of it but it was like down a secret alleyway and we had to walk through the kitchen to get to the dining room and so i took a video yeah of that well the track you know the famous tracking shot in goodfellas where they walk into the copa yeah the kitchen yes that's how this feels like it was the most incredible walk into a restaurant that you could ever friday nights for the wise but saturday nights for the girlfriends it was really cool and the dining room was just it was just so cool and it was so berlin and i felt like okay we're in berlin we're having this experience that feels so like we're in this city and we're doing this really cool thing that is only would exist here yeah and I felt like, I guess my experiences are really more kind of immersive experiences. The food was fantastic. The food there was too. great. But and the atmosphere and the entrance and all of the whole thing was such a cool experience. Yeah. And okay, what's your, you have one in London, right? And I have one other one. So um, my other one is uh, Frenchie London, which oh, we right. ate there. Um, and I've actually not been to Frenchie in Paris. And well, uh, so by uh, the uh, yeah, Omaha Austin, native. Austin Johnson was the chef at Frenchie in Paris, and it just got a Michelin star. And then and they opened Frenchie London, and when Austin came back to Omaha, his fellow chef, Dale, came to Omaha too. So I met Dale, and he's the chef of Frenchie London. And so we went, we sat at the bar. It was just a really cool experience, and the food was incredible. Yeah, it really was. It was like high level, but also still approachable. And p- really playful. Like, really fun, playful. Yeah. but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that was an amazing meal. Yeah, so now I really want to go to Frenchie in Paris. <laughs> so yeah. those are mine for now, but they'll uh, change. We're so. saving our uh, American Express uh, points. Points. Yeah, Maybe so we can... can hit Paris okay. in 2023. <laughs> um, the uh, so my other two are, and again, I kind of almost not intentionally because what I love is I love these experiences that Sarah's talking about. Those are kind of more her ideas. My idea is always like we are going to find the like seediest, you know, cheapest spot. And this is, you know, that's, that's more my thing. And, you know, we forgot one thing when we were talking about how to find restaurants in other cities, a very important thing considering your job, which is, uh, the food critic, the yeah. local food critic in LA is a perfect example. Uh, rest in peace, Jonathan Gold. We, for whenever we went to LA, we would read all the stuff that he had written. Um, and you he know, did, he in did the, an annual top 100 restaurants in LA. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. So there, you know, the last one he did, I think, was 2017, and we've just kind of relied yeah. on that. And they've got other staffers now who are updating it. And one of one of my places, and he's uh, the king of he's the king of like strip strip mall joints, yeah, like, totally. like, he, like, like like just like for that. Yeah, that's I mean that's what he's known for. Yeah. He redefined places that like weren't even on Yelp. You know, I mean, just sort of And he was like going to. Well, LA is a perfect spot for that because it's all these you know small pocket pockets of immigrant communities. Oftentimes, they're not necessarily totally like connected to the wider city so Jonathan Gold was a guy who's bringing this to the wider city and the the country in Mm -hmm. fact and one of his places uh, I think I'm pronouncing this right Jitlada um, a Thai place in LA was an incredible meal and and way um, you know interesting in the way where I love Thai food I'd never had Thai food like this I think it was southern Thai yeah they had a lot of seafood and they had those big um, mussels yeah in like a green curry sauce mm. and just really interesting and cool food. and also and, insanely spicy yeah like so spicy yeah I mean too spicy for white people type yeah. of restaurant <laughs> yeah and that's why it was so great I mean and it was you know you go into some of these places and this is exactly true 
it's the hole in the wall place that everybody from the neighborhood goes. But then you just have people like us showing up, like, "Hey, Jonathan Gold wrote it." But, oh, and, and, and it just become works. Really well known. Yeah, and yeah. it works like in those Anthony sort of situ- situations went sometimes. There and like, uh, it's because like doves in San Francisco, yeah. where it's like it used to be like that. And now right. it's like everyone knows about it. In but, my oh, sorry, go oh, ahead. No, I'm just gonna say that kind of has, in a way, those Jonathan Gold reviews and those experiences we've had in LA have kind of redefined or changed how we travel to other cities too like yeah. we're looking for somebody like that to make those recommendations to us in any city that we go well uh jill uh in kansas city the former critic for the kansas or food yeah, editor for the kansas city star mm-hmm. she does a food uh blog podcast mm-hmm. there you know you can you can find the expert in your city in a city that you're going to i'm sure cleveland has one i don't know <laughs> but it's frankie um, london <laughs> love his work the the uh third and final one for me and this is a more obvious one it's i'm staying in the asian uh sphere um it is uh momofuku in uh lower east side of manhattan again not a particularly expensive place um you know you can eat for 15 or 20 dollars um and it is just cliche in some way i guess at this point but in the best possible way so good. like okay. you go there and you sit at the noodle bar you are going to have a fantastic experience it's a, it was a little bit um, all these experiences for me are a little bit life changing mm-hmm. because they they do reorient how you see food right. like i did not realize that ramen could be what it was at the noodle bar right. until i had it at the noodle and bar and then all other ramen is kind of changed because you've got this experience to base your future right. just you know what your future reviews off of if you totally will. yeah mofuku right, is always good everything that david chang does is I always know. i mean like period yeah yeah you can't go wrong with going to a david chang restaurant in the when, United whenever States. we go to new york i have to you know we kind of map out where we want to go and i have We've had two lunches in the past because Matthew would not skip going to the I feel bar. like Nick is a person who's probably had two lunches before <laughs> when he travels. More, more Me? Than, more than three meals a day. Well, <laughs> my favorite thing to say is that this, that's the most I've ever eaten in my life, and I feel so amazed my wife would be like, Oh, you said that last week. <laughs> All right, so this is very, very tough. So, But I've decided to – because right, – so I'm going to say – I'm going to start with – and with a, with a caveat on on how I got this reservation because okay. it, was, it was a very hard reservation to get and it's like known as the toughest reservation in the world which sounds I feel like kind of a jerk saying it but but I was able to I was able mm-hmm. to pull it off through yeah. through talking through people uh-huh. um, was Stere Francescana so I was I went to a Barolo tasting in uh, Denver with uh, synergy and 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 I and I I had a feeling that those gents would have a connection to this. Well, I knew somebody there would have a connection. You were scheming. You were scheming when you walked. You had in, a plan. We were gonna, gonna exactly because yeah. we're building a trip with my parents and my wife to go eat at Estera Francescana. Depending yeah. on when we got the reservation, and is tell where people we're go. where that is and what it is. It's in Modena. Um, it's. Um, um, Massimo Maturo, um, just a uh, Michelin three-star. Yeah. Um, the guy has kind of redefined what fine dining is mm-hmm. in Italy, and everything. his food is kind of based on traditional right. dishes. If you want to know more about him, he is on the very, he's the center of the very first episode of Chef's Table on Netflix. And you can see his whole, he tells his whole story, and you see all his food and his restaurant and all of that. So 
So I really wanted to go, yeah. and I never, and I really wanted to go to Modena, and I and I wanted to hang out in that area. So, um, so I we had the Barolo tasting, and all these different producers from Barolo. Um, and I said, and I texted Steve before I was like, Hey, you know, he's like, I know somebody that will know. So I met this gentleman, uh, from Domenico Clerico, uh, which is just super, it's a just delicious Barolo. And he's like, yes, I'm friends with, and, and he hooked me up. Yeah. Nice. And then, so we went and it's one of those deals where I'm like, just be prepared, be prepared to be disappointed. Right. Because you, if, if you spend up. so much time and effort and then right. money, right. you're probably, it's just, it's okay to not think it's the best time of your life. Right. If you go in that way, it's going to be easier. Yeah. So the day is there, you know, we're in Italy for a week and then it's time to, you know, go. And then, so we, you get, there's a line, there's a like, it's only like 30 seats. Yeah. So there's like 30 people in line outside and everybody's like really excited. You know, it's all, everybody's hush, hush, hush. And it's on a side street <laughs> and there's yeah. just a little tiny sign and uh-huh. everybody's wearing jackets and it's all mm-hmm. fancy. And then we go in and, and you say the, your name, I'm Nick Strawhacker. Sorry, you're not on the list. Are you serious? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you gotta be, and I had a feeling this would happen, so I printed off like my receipt from the reservation, <laughs> yeah, because, and I said Nicholas Strawhacker. Oh, he's like, oh yeah, you're good. I'm like, he's <laughs> like, yeah, you're good. So then we sat down, and we're like, well, we got to do the whole thing. So then we did 14 courses with vino, and it was yeah. just, it was just, it was awesome. It was yeah. great. Um, my, my parents. Matthew's parents very they did. annoyingly yes. to Sarah have been to this have been to this yeah. specific they restaurant. They came back and they with were my telling cousin, us about it. My cousin and his wife. And I was like, wait a second. What'd they think? Uh, oh, they, they still talk about it. It's yeah. one of those that yeah. just like it, it 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 they do it. Yeah. It's it, it was good. Yeah. I'm glad they liked it too. No, it it, it actually was trans I would say it was transformative for them. Yeah. Well they yeah, changed the way they thought about food. And I mean we were going to Copenhagen have, yeah. and my mom texted us the other day and was like, uh, can can you get us reservations? You know, some yeah. some They'll rely on Sarah, and she will work on it. Next text: Can we go to Noma? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you wanna you wanna foot the bill for that one, Mom. (laughs) It was booked, so we won't be going. I think we'll have some really cool experiences otherwise. Okay, so what's your what's your third one? Uh, This is a tough one. I'm gonna go with. be decisive. Pick one. Alba Truffle Dinner 2001. Oh. So back to Italy. Yeah. Um, so I was living and working in Italy, and this is actually, actually, I mean, it was a culinary program, right? And then I got a job for like eight months or ten months, and this is in uh, all those in Piedmont, and um, our our school was invited to um, basically present truffles for a very famous auction. And at the time it was all, it had video cameras with, uh, we're in, here's Monte Carlo, Monte Carlo, here's Tokyo, and here's New York. So they would have, it would all, and then these guys would be calling in their orders, like, <laughs> like, like Christie's or something. Exactly, and they'd be calling in their orders. So like, but prior to that, was a dinner, was 12 courses all with white truffles. So I, oh I mean, it God. was just like, and it was crazy. And all we drank was Barolo. And I was 20, 20, I think. And I was just, it was amazing. I mean, at at that time, I remember saying that, like, my friends, I was like, I've eaten enough white truffles the last two lifetimes. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, so then there was the auction. So there's a, and it was, the dinner was, I mean, it was killer. So then, but a funny story with the auction 
so I was again I was a presenter and I mean we're talking tens of thousands of dollars and um, a lot, the reason How do you present a truffle you carry it on a little tray <laughs> and guys are like from all over the car bidding on it and the reason I was at it was because of the school but also because it was for it was right after 9-11 uh-huh. so and I was American so like oh we got some Americans that can and so some of the proceeds went to some 9-11 oh, cool. oh I see and so Wolfgang Puck, Puck happened to be there who I met and was super nice and gracious and you know as a 20 year old you mm-hmm. know culinary student you know cook it was pretty cool mm-hmm. so he ended up paying $24,000 for for a truffle so then my friend Drake Healy it's so funny full circle holy cow, <laughs> <from Cleveland>. yeah. <laughs> he carried that big truffle so I went in the back and I said hey Drake will you take a photo of me with this truffle uh-huh. and he said yeah so I picked it up and I broke it in half <gasps> oh my god I swear to god and what did Wolf? Did Wolf? I'm surprised. It was backstage. You're alive. Nobody was there. So, so no, I just you... I put it down and I left and I jumped in a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God. So it was a photo of me somewhere at my parents' house oh of my. me holding this massive, probably like with this stupid grin on my face. And but yeah, you broke Wolfgang Puck's truffle. Twenty-four thousand dollar truffle. My wow. God. And there was like a bunch of stories at the time when he bought it. How he bought like a, a plane ticket for the truffle, like a first class. So it would have its own seat. Had, Did it ever come out that it was broken? No, no. See, they're like very like bulbous, uh-huh. you know. So they're like, and it's like it it just came apart. It's not like a you know, <laughs> yeah. it just like kind of came apart in my hand. Yeah. And I think that like it wasn't really that big. I think maybe they, but I still broke it. And it was yeah, two I pieces. I thought you were gonna like super glue it back together or something. <laughs> Use some duct tape. A little little, little spit and hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like that's as good as we're gonna get. Breaking Wolfgang Puck's trouble. <laughs> So, thanks for being on the show, Nick. It's been a real pleasure to, My pleasure uh, to be talk here. to you. Oh, and check out Forno when it opens in May, which yeah. we're definitely going to do. I'm super excited about this idea that you've brought back from a yeah. uh, religious alley experience in, uh, in Italy to, to Omaha. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah, that's really nice. exciting. Cool. Great being here. All right, well, thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you in our next episode.